Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. We had more history overnight. Welcome to TC Live, your entertainment for the next hour leading up to all the action in Melbourne. The first trophies will be handed out later today as we work our way towards championship weekend down under. Here are the top stories of the day. The women's final is now set. Will we have our first back-to-back champ in more than a decade or another first-time Grand Slam winner? Plus, Novak Djokovic has the record of a saint when he gets to this stage in Melbourne. But he's never had to face a sinner. We'll break down every part of this divine matchup. And it smells like teen spirit and tennis. A new nirvana of young stars on the scene. Here we are now. Entertain us. John Wertheim does just that. We've got our world-famous doubles report later in the show. Suwei Shea is bringing all the vibes to TC Live. Taking a look. At today's featured matches, it is the men's semifinals on a Friday in Australia, Thursday here in the States. First up, it's Novak Djokovic putting that 10-0 record in AO semis on the line against Yannick Sinner. Then the 19th edition of Daniil Medvedev and Alexander Zverev, but first ever at a Grand Slam. With that, we say hello. Welcome into our studios here in Santa Monica, California. Steve Weissman and the gang, Martina Navratilova, Lindsay Davenport. John Wertheim, great to see everybody once again. Women's final set, men's semifinals today. Martina, what are you looking forward to? Yeah, uh, what am I looking forward to? I think the final with uh, with Zhang and, and Xin, Zhang Xinwen and Sabalenka because Zhang Xinwen's never been there before. A lot of pressure on her as a Chinese player, but before the tournament, she met up, or during the tournament, she met up with Li Na, who is there also. And Lina said, if I had your serve, I wouldn't be scared of anybody. And I think that gave her a lot of confidence. So we'll see if she can carry it through in the finals. Yeah, we're going to talk about the Goff and Sabalenka match coming up. But for as much credit as Goff's team got last year when she won the U.S. Open, we got to give it up to Sabalenka's team, who had her absolutely ready to go in a big semifinal match. She has cracked at that stage before it majors. She was mentally ready. She was emotionally ready. And her game plan was fantastic. She's into the final. Mm, that's well said. Uh, I'm going to go off the board, but I'm going to stay with the women. I'm looking for the women's doubles final. We're going to be talking doubles in this segment, but how about Shea Suey? This might be her last event, and she's playing for the title with Elisa Mertens. She won the French Open with a different partner. She won Wimbledon with a different partner. <laughs> she's going for potentially three majors of the last four. 38 years old, you're entitled to do what you want, but don't retire. You're doing great. Uh, she's so fun to watch, and if this is the last match she plays, uh, we'll be there watching. And she is also in the mixed doubles final. We do want to say that American Desiree Kravchuk in the mixed doubles final today going for the career Grand Slam in mixed. She has won Roland Garros, Wimby twice, and the U.S. Open. Perfect 4-0 in finals. So we're handing out trophies later today with the mixed doubles final. But we begin with that big matchup. The rematch from the U.S. Open final last year. Coco Golf had won 12 straight matches at majors. Arena Sabalenka 12 in a row at this major, Martina. Yeah, Sabalenka got off to a quick start and uh, was serving for the set. That's when the nerves set in just enough to allow Coco to break back. 
And uh, and then Sabalenka had a set point at 5-4 on Coco serve. Couldn't convert it. Then Coco broke, was serving for the set. Sabalenka breaks back. So a lot of topsy-turvy tennis, but Sabalenka really turned it on in the tie break. That forehand down the line and backhand down the line were beating uh, Coco quite a bit. Particularly the backhand side as Coco's cheating a little bit to the forehand. And Sabalenka just really played a flawless tie break to uh, take that set away, but it could have gone either way. And then uh, set two uh, went on serve until four all. And uh, then Sabalenka again attacking the second serve of Coco Goff, getting yet another winner with her backhand here. Gets the break and then serves it out pretty comfortably. She was a little nervous on, at the end, but uh, held it together beautifully. Still hasn't dropped a set this tournament. First player to reach back-to-back -back Australian Open finals since Serena Williams. She had a positive 33 winners to 28 unforced errors, won 70% of her first serves with four aces. Coco Goff's eight double faults contributing to winning less than 40% on second serve. Let's hear from both players. Yeah, tough match for me tonight. Um, overall, a positive tournament. Um, I had chances in both sets, but uh, she played better tonight. I felt like I um, did my best with the game plan that I had. I think it just came down to a couple points, and that's tennis. I think the key was that I was able to stay focused uh, no matter what. Uh, no matter what the score was, I was just keep trying my best, keep fighting for it. And of course, I'm super happy to be in the, in the in another final of the Grand Slam, and hopefully, I can do a little bit better than I did last last time. We'll see. Uh, she said the difference from New York was staying aggressive and, and coming forward, something that she worked on during the off season. What do you think? Uh, Sepalika had a couple of things going for her as well. With the rain that hit Melbourne, that roof was closed for that match. That was a big advantage for Sabalenka. Conditions more perfect, it's easier to play high-risk tennis. Nothing gets in the way. There was no win. There was nothing like that she had to deal with. The other thing she was ready for the second serve to go to her forehand time and time again she was looking for it she was ready for it and she just went for it and golf second serve both these players have had problems with that shot before in this match it was golf second serve that was the vulnerability not with sabalenka the other thing as you mentioned working on coming in so confident she never hesitated when she had the upper hand in the rally she would move forward try and finish the points off kept her emotions in check. It, it really was an A-plus performance from Sabalenka. Even if she could have played just a little better at certain times in the first set, how she handled the occasion was spectacular. I, I am so impressed with her. I mean, athletically, she hung right there with Coco. We've talked about the strides she's made in terms of fitness and conditioning. And then I just think emotionally, I mean, this was a player known to be awfully erratic. I mean, we saw the last time she played Coco, she throws her racket in the trash can. She's very expressive. She was really buttoned up, played the big points. Well, and I also don't think we give enough credit those yips that she had two years ago, we've seen careers end with that. It didn't just overcome them. She was the better server yesterday. Yeah, like Zverev, Sabalenka, there is no no uh, no uh, signs of her having had those yips at all. And she attacked that second serve of uh, of Coco really well. Like hit seven winners off the of their turn of serve. Coco had none. Coco three out of four break points, so a little opportunistic, and that kept her in the match. But I think uh, if she had won the first set, Coco, then might maybe Sabalenka would have gotten a little bit nervous. But she held their nerve beautifully. I mean, you really. That was this much, you know, like 5% where there would have been 100% before. So she's really managing her emotions fantastically well.
And when she's confident with that game, watch out. Mm -hmm. she, she just doesn't. You're on your heels the whole time. Coco Golf said even though she lost, she played better than she did in New York. So a lot of positives to take away for the American as well. Who will Arena Sabalenka face in that final match? Second women's semifinal. A couple first-timers, Lindsay. A qualifier in Ukrainian Diana Yastremska. And last year's most improved player on tour, Zhang Qinwen of China. Yeah, and it was Yastremska who got off to the quick start, up to love. And then Zhang held her ground. She was a little bit nervous to start. She started to settle in nicely. Yastrzemska has been bashing balls from the back of the court, but Zhang, with her quick movement, was able to defend so beautifully. Midway through that first set, though, physically, it started to catch up to Yastrzemska, who also had three matches in qualifying, started to feel it in her ab, and with that, service speeds went down a little bit, but she kept on fighting. But Zhang, able to serve out the first set, and this was big for her, this calmed herself down. She was able to move Yastrzemska around more as this match went on. A lot of pressure on that lady there to try and get to a Grand Slam final. She knew what an opportunity it was. She got looser as the match went on. She started hitting bigger, and Yastrzemska just finally caught up to her. That fairy tale run comes to an end. But on the 10th anniversary of Lee Na's win in Melbourne, Queen Wen just one win away. One more than 75% of points on her first serve. The water hasn't been too choppy. Can only beat who's put in front of you. No seeds, but Zheng has blossomed nonetheless. She's just the second player from China to reach a Grand Slam final in the Open Era. What's your guess? feeling? It was incredible to arrive at my real first Grand Slam final. That's my dream since I was a kid. So right now, for sure, I'm feeling really happy, but... I know there's still another fight to go, so I'm trying to control my emotion right now. <laughs> she also said, when everything goes right, I believe in the destiny. But if it doesn't work, I don't believe it, Martina. Uh, somebody tell her you can, you can control your destiny a little bit. Uh, what, what impressed you the most with her? Uh, you can control your destiny if you get a lot of first serves in. It uh, makes it a lot easier. Right. But, uh, yeah, she's the most improved player. She's got a big game. I don't think she's got what it takes to beat Sabalenka. Again, she hadn't had really tough uh, tough opponents, and yet three of those six matches went three sets. So I think it's going to be maybe a little bit of a rude awakening for Jinwen. But at the same time, it's a final, so you never know how both players will handle it. Sabalenka, defending champion, she must feel pretty confident. But uh, Jinwen, yeah, we'll be seeing her quite a bit in the future, if not as well as on Saturday. You know, I was talking about Sabalenka's team earlier, but a lot of credit to Per Reba, who's done some amazing work with Zhang. They had worked together for quite a while when they broke up last spring. Zhang thought she needed a new voice to help her get to that next level. Immediately kind of regretted it and really missed him. He, of course, went on to work with Coco Goff. She hired Wim Fassett and thought, okay, this is going to help me. Wim's worked with a lot of top players. Wim bailed on her right after the U.S. Open, absolutely devastating her. The same time, the Per Reba-Coco Goff relationship went away as well, so an opportunity there. She quickly called him back and said, would you come back? They worked very hard in the fall, in the winter to get her ready and paying off huge to start the year with a, at least a final here in Aussie. So there is one person who could win back-to-back. -back exactly, that's fair. Exactly. The coach, 
Spare a thought, though, for uh, Diana Yastrzemska. I mean, started this tournament near 100 in the world. Now back inside the top 30, eight straight wins from qualifying. Yeah, and again, we don't have to mention this every time, but she's coming from a country that was invaded two years ago, and she perhaps more than any of these Ukrainian players, all, all of whom seem to be ascending in these last two years, um, she's had a really tough time of it. I mean, this was a player who was ranked you know, top 25. This was a player ranked number 21 a few years ago. So nice comeback for her. We'll see if she can keep this going. And, you know, we say this all When a player qualifies and goes deep, at some point all of that tennis has to catch up. It's fun that you have a winning streak and momentum, but it's a lot to ask, and I think we saw that a little bit yesterday. All right. We will uh, preview that women's final as we continue here on TC Lab. Looking forward to it. See if Arena Sabalenka can go back to back down under. Much more still to get to here on the show. Youth is served as John Wertheim goes unstrung on the recent teenage takeover in tennis. Plus, it is our world-famous doubles report. Would new world number one Rohan Bopana get closer to adding his first major men's doubles title to the resume? Find out later on TC Live. TC Live at the Australian Open is brought to you in part by Bet365, the world's favorite sports book. By Tennis Express, we deliver tennis right to your front door. Order today, ships today. And by National Car Rental. Go national, go like a pro. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to TC Live on men's semifinal day in Melbourne. For all the latest news, make tennis.com your online information source throughout the Australian Open and the entire season. Matt Fitzgerald goes in-depth on Djokovic Sinner. And Stephanie Livide gives out style points with the look of the week. Download the tennis app or visit the website. It is now time for our daily forecast with Fox Weather. 
Good day, tennis fans. I'm Fox Weather Meteorologist Amy Freeze. Here's today's Australia Open forecast. Mostly sunny Melbourne. Temperatures in the low 70s. Pretty decent day for tennis. Enjoy it. Remember, you can download the Fox Weather app or stream Fox Weather from your favorite connected TV device. Thanks so much. When we come back, we're breaking down the men's semifinals from every angle. What's the plan for Yannick Sinner to accomplish something that's never been done in history? Our experts have the answers next. Welcome back. Yannick Sinner looking to make his first major final. Would be the first Italian man to do it here in Melbourne and youngest here since guess who? Novak Djokovic back in 2008. The man on the other side. Djokovic leads the Tennis Express head-to-head for two, but Sinner has won two of the last three matches, and those came in the span of 12 days late last season. So what's the Italian's plan to win tonight? Yeah, it's, uh, this is why I practice for, no? to play against the best players in the world. Um, obviously, has uh, an incredible record here, so it's, uh, it's a pleasure to play against him, especially in the final stages of the tournament where, where things are a little bit more interesting. So I'm looking forward to it, to be honest. It's um, going to be tough, uh, this I know. Um, I will control the, the controllable, and then we see the outcome now. Um, uh, it doesn't really matter who, who my opponent is, so I'm, I'm very looking forward to it. and trying to prepare it in the in the best possible way. Control the controllables. That is good advice for life. Uh, entering 2023, Yannick Center 9 and 21 against the top 10, Lindsay. He's won 10 of his last 11, including that win against Andre Rublev. How come? Yeah, that's his first top five win at a major. Yeah. That was a big step forward for Sinner. Just slow progress. But last year, everything seemed to change when he was able to change his serve, get more consistent from the back of the court and still hit so hard. But that win over Rublev to try and make it to the semifinal for the first time in Australia. Yep. And also to win a three out of five set match, top five player that does loads for his confidence. He was able to handle the Rublev power and give power back. A little bit different of an ask against Novak, who's going to try and move him around the court, be able to absorb Sinner's power better than anybody. Is he up to the task physically? but also emotionally against Novak, who's just going to make him have to work every single game. Has not dropped a set. The only man remaining, or actually only human remaining, that uh, has not dropped a set. Or no, Sabalenka hasn't either. But uh, <laughs> but he hasn't dropped a set on the men's side. He, he was the only seed who hadn't dropped a set after the second round. So a lot of his uh, compatriots were struggling. I think you raise a really good point. How We, we know what he can do with the serve. We've seen the power and the control and the blend. I just think... We say this every time. Best of five is a different animal, especially when the other guy on the other side of the net gives you no quarter. So is, is it more physical or mental, the difference between best of three, best of five? I think it's, uh, it's both. You have to really manage your emotions. Uh, but uh, but with Novak, it becomes more physical. I think mentally you just tired because you have to concentrate so hard anyway. You don't want to give Novak any easy points. But at the end of the day, 
when your legs don't get you there, no matter how tough you are mentally, you got problems. So it'll, it, it's more physical three out of five against Novak Djokovic particularly. Hmm. Uh, is this the best Yannick Sinner you've ever seen, Lindsay? Ever seen. Yeah. And, and it all started at some point last year, and he's making slow progress, all of a sudden get, able to get to the semis of Wimbledon, obviously loses to Novak there, then continues to build again. But at the end of the year, if you go back to the World Tour Finals, it's played in Italy. He's from there. There's an awful lot of pressure on him. He had the crowd behind him. Uh, he played some amazing tennis. Yeah, and this was, uh, look at this. But look at the scoreline here, too, because sometimes we, we see matches and maybe the opponent's a little compromised or there's something else going on. This was Pete Novak, and he absolutely stared him down. This is Novak playing to the partisan crowd here in Italy. Remember, these guys played previously at Wimbledon, and Novak didn't give this guy an inch and beat him in straight sets. So to come back like this, uh, that's as big a win as he had in his career. And then, as we all know, he was able to uh, to back it up. But beating Novak Djokovic is one thing. Beating him 7-6 in the third set is something else entirely. I think that's a big match right there. Oh, huge. Uh, what did that prove to you, Martina, seeing Yannick Sinner beat Novak Djokovic at the finals? Proved to him uh, that he can uh, beat him because he hadn't beaten him until then when he beat him in the in the round robin. So uh, that's a big. It becomes an, a mental block when you feel like you can compete with somebody and you can't beat him. I had that with Ivan Gulag. I had like 15 set points in six different matches, and I couldn't win a set. Once I won the set, I won the match. So it becomes mental, and he overcame that. Now three out of five uh, again, different animal, but he has not. Uh, you know, he, he, we'll, we'll see if he can manage physically. Again, that's the, that's the biggest difference. Um, he has to mix it up more than anything, and he needs to keep the points shorter because it's three out of five. I don't think he can get into all those long rallies uh, because then the legs will go in set four or five. There won't, there won't be a set five, most likely, if he lets the points to go on for too long. But um, the, biggest, the biggest thing was that he actually had beaten him, um, had beaten Novak, so now he can kind of, uh, I can do it three, three out of five, yeah. And I, and I don't know if there was anything predicted. I mean, for, for five straight majors, he lost in the fifth set. We saw this, you know, the Alcaraz match at the U.S. Open two years ago was the big one, but there were others, too, where the guy just didn't have it. Then he goes to Wimbledon, rematch against Novak, semifinals, biggest match of his career, and he kind of was flat and lost in straight sets. So this surge seems to have really sort of come, come out of nowhere, then to beat Novak in a tiebreaker. And you know what's interesting about this match? We were talking about the odds. You know, Novak is the number one seed. He's the defending champion. He's never lost in the semifinals. I mean, the, the ledger is pretty thick here. But these odds that were 225 for Novak are now 200. So they're moving a little mm. bit in Sinner's favor. And it's interesting. I don't know what... People are uh, making people change their mind. But, yeah, I mean, this center in the last 90 days has been a completely different composite profile than what we would have been said if we'd had this discussion in October. Yeah, people are believing in Yannick Sinner. They've seen him beat Novak Djokovic two of the last three times, Lindsay. And he's really stepped up his game against the best players in the world. This would be his fourth win against a world number one in his first six opportunities. The only player to do that more is Rafa, who did it five of six. It's also a mindset where once you get your player there, then a lot of credit to his team, get the game there. You also have to get his mind there. And it certainly is. I mean, we could tell even with his schedule coming down under no lead-in tournaments. We're going to train as hard as we can, as long as we can, to get you ready to win the Australian Open. It wasn't about, oh, let's play in some lead-in tournaments, let's get some matches, and let's get some ranking points. No. The goal is to win in Melbourne. So how are we going to do this, considering you finished in December? Let's map out the next six, seven weeks. It's exactly what his team has done. He went into this year's Australian Open with 
I'm going to win it. I want to win it, and I'm going to do everything I can to win it. A lot of players are scared to do that, buy in completely. That changed for center last year. Yeah, Martina, what's the difference between I want to win it and I'm going to win it? You have to have done the work to have that kind of confidence. You know, you can't bluff your way into winning. So he must believe it because of the work that he's put in physically, emotionally, mentally, strategically, tactically, technically. He's done everything that he possibly can. So now when you do that and you're this good and you've already beaten those top players before, you have to believe that you can win it. So you, you kind of put your pressure on yourself, but at the same time, you give yourself confidence about saying, I want to win it and I'm going to do that. Yeah. That's it. As you mentioned, John, Novak has never lost at this stage. In fact, 20-0 when he reaches the Final Four at the Australian Open. Yeah, the question, I mean, I don't, Martina, you, does history finally catch up with you? Or do you say, boy, this, this is my haven, this tournament, 20-0 when I get to the semis, we're going to be okay here? Well, I mean, Novak's got to feel very confident because uh, he's not played well at uh, the beginning of this tournament, wasn't feeling well, the wrist was bothering him, he had a cold, but still he's here in the semifinals. And because once he gets to the, those last four, three, two or three matches of, of the tournament, uh, he plays his best tennis. So he knows it's going to take something magical for him to lose. And that also gives you a lot of confidence because, you know, the guy's got to have to play maybe a little bit above his level, whereas Novak just needs to play up to his level. Yeah, certainly. And he also knows that he's going to be number one at the end of the tournament, no matter what. With Alcaraz losing, Novak Djokovic guaranteed to continue his reign as the world number one. Looking forward to that matchup against Yannick Sinner. Looking forward to more here on TC Live when we come back. Gen Z bringing their A game to the court. John Wertheim goes unstrung on a new crop of teeny boppers looking to glow up on the big stage. Back on TC Live, a reminder that the world's top men and women return to tennis paradise in Indian Wells, California for a huge event. Elena Rabakina won her first 1,000-level title last year. Don't miss complete first ball to last ball live coverage of the BNP Paribas Open right here on Tennis Channel with daily bonus coverage on T2. It all starts Wednesday, March 6. Well, Coco Goff joined an exclusive club when she won her first major at 19 years old. We've had a teenager win a Grand Slam in each of the last five years, but there was a 15-year drought before that. As John Wertheim reports, the streak of new teen dreams could continue for a while. As the saying goes, trying to figure out a teenager is like trying to give a fish a bath. And tennis has always had its own slippery, uneven relationship with its adolescence. It celebrates prodigies when they succeed. It holds them out as cautionary tales too much too soon when they falter. Only a few years ago, the teenager as a species was nearing extinction in pro tennis. The sport is too physical for bodies not yet fully developed. 30 is the new 20. At one point recently, there were zero teenagers in the ATP and WTA top 50. Then, like a moody, well, teenager, the trend started whipsawing the other way. Here come the kids. Carlos Alcaraz won a major at age 19. Then, on the same court a year later, so did Coco Goff. They are grizzled veterans, though, compared to Mirandreva, already in the top 40 at age 16. Though she is ranked below fellow team Linda Nuskova of the Czech Republic, 
And she's not even the only bright young prospect named Linda from her country, given the predicted stardom of Linda Fruvertova, who's a year older than her sister Brenda, also coming on fast. On the men's side, Alcaraz and Holgaruna may have aged out and are now 20. Still, mind you, not of legal drinking age in America. But do know two other ascending teens in the ATP Tour's top 100. Arthur Fies and Luca Van Asha, both French. What's going on here? On the women's side, the rules restricting how many events teenagers can enter have been loosened. And young players, both genders, have adjusted to the current state of play, spending more time adding strength and conditioning. In a way, it's all a sign of a healthy sport. If you have the game, start early. Sometimes a live arm and undented confidence of youth can overcome experience. You pick up improvements as you go, and before you know it, you're in your 30s, wondering where all these teenagers came from and how they got so good. Thanks, John. Here are the teens in the top 100 right now. By the way, from Svetlana Kuznetsova in 2004 until Bianca Andreescu in 2019, didn't have any teen winners at majors. Now we've had Bibi, Iga, Emma, Carlos, and Coco. There's three on the men's side currently and five on the women's side. A couple of those are 16 years old. Amazing. Uh, Martina, why do you think we've had a resurgence in teens that couldn't win majors? I think the training has gotten better uh, on the women's side. I think the loosening of the rules uh, allowed the players to to get more competition because nothing improves you more than playing matches. That's where that's where really the rubber meets the road when you actually play and compete, and that's when you improve the most. So I think it's a combination of the rules on the women's side, on the guys' side. I don't know. Uh, I think uh, they're they're figuring out that they don't have to be massive, six foot four, and and cut. Uh, to compete, you know, look at Alcaraz. He's not he's not that tall or uh, some other players that are just not that big. You can compete if you are quick enough and if you're smart enough. So I think the coaching has gotten better and uh, and the training has gotten better as well. Yeah, on the guys' side, it was Rafa in 2005 all the way to Carlos Alcaraz when he won his first major title 15 years. Before that, it was Pete Sampras. So another 15 years. Who could be the next one? to win a major as a teenager. As a teenager, wow. We have a couple of guys in the top 100, but they're 19, so they don't have <laughs> many more opportunities, but it certainly is something special. I think even more special on the men's side. I mean, I remember when Boris Becker won Wimbledon in mm -hmm. his teens, and we were all so stunned. But physically, he was a little bit more mature at that age than some others. We have an American uh, in the top 100 right now, Alex Mickelson. He got to the third round here at the Australian Open. But he's going to have to win a major, Steve, in his next two <laughs> if it's going to happen when he's a teen. But it's a great story about Alex. He was a good junior. He wasn't a phenomenal junior. But he's just slow and steady. Every year has gotten better and better now. Now, again, third round, that was a huge Grand Slam tournament for him, playing three out of five sets, winning those matches, and we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to get to the top 100 at a career high, it's been an amazing run for Alex Mickelson since last summer. I mean, yeah. he was supposed to go to college. Now he's not. On the women's side, Martina, I mean, listen, we, we showed the graphic. There's a couple 16-year-olds in there. Who do you like that could maybe, over the next few years, raise a Grand Slam trophy? Well, clearly, uh, Andre Eva has has the most upside potentially right now, as she already is uh, 
has competed so well against top players and uh, is already becoming a veteran. Uh, and also tall enough, uh, we'll, we'll see how she develops. Um, then the, the Fruvirtova sisters, uh, Brenda and Linda, Brenda's 16, Linda's 18 or 19, uh, they they are potentially uh, Grand Slam winners as well. I think if they keep improving, you never know where that next big jump comes. And so it's, you know, the, the potential's there, but Andreva definitely uh, seems to be the one with the most upside potential. Yeah, we saw 16-year-old Mira Andreva make another good run at a major here. Steve, last year at this time, she was in the final of the junior competition. What a 12 months it has been for her transitioning so seamlessly to the pro tour. She's had great results in a bunch of the majors now, reached the second week, took out Angebur so easily. More steps forward for injury, but got a little bit fatigued, more so emotionally, as the tournament went on. But, Steve, you keep going back. Now you look, we're looking at the 16-year-olds. We even look younger than yeah. the 16-year-olds, <laughs> right? The next, next gen. And there's a couple of 14-year-olds in the girls' draw down under playing in Australia. We have Hannah Klugman, a British player. She's going to be great. Ksenia Efremova as well as another one. We have a 16-year-old American male, Darwin Blanche. He didn't even go play the juniors in Australia. He's playing pro tournaments in yeah. Spain. So that next next gen is also coming up and those in the tennis world even keep an eye younger than 16 if you can believe it. That's wild and, and that's probably where it actually will come from. Uh, we'll see. It's fun to watch teenagers do amazing things in the open era. There's been 16 women teenagers that have won a major just eight on the men's side, so much more difficult. A lot more to get to here on TC Live. It is the men's semifinals later today, but up next, it's the world-famous doubles report. Who made the finals and who's going for history? Stay with us. Welcome back. Cue those tunes. A reminder, the second major right around the corner this spring. Tennis Channel will once again bring you extensive daily live coverage from Roland Garros. Rafa going for 15 in Paris. Djokovic perhaps 26 overall. Don't miss any of the Grand Slam excitement on the Terre 2 in Paris beginning Sunday, May 26. All right. It is that time. The world famous. Yes. <laughs> what, what would the world famous I don't be? Know, I'm waiting. Double. Oh, oh, yes. right Come on. <laughs> You've been waiting for this all day. I, I didn't know it was coming up so soon. Where are yeah. we on this? Well, oh, yeah. Birdie on E. I didn't right. even And this is, this is your highlight, Lindsay. You ready? I can't wait. That's okay. actually an amazing highlight. It, it's yeah. one of the better ones. We've got the women's double semifinals. Four players that have all held the world number one ranking. Storm Hunter, Katerina Siniakova, Elisa Mertens, Sue Shea. And the level from all four of these players was off the charts, but... It was Shea and Mertens in that first set who were able to get the momentum late in the set. And Shea serving in the near court, able to bring it home for her team. But credit Hunter and Siniakova who were able to come back in the near court. Siniakova able to control power, the placement, and they rolled in that second set six games to one. So we play three, and that is right at the end when Mertens and Shea come up with something Whoa. special. The hands of Shea Suway gets her team the break. Got to celebrate, <laughs> but can Elisa Mertens serve it out? Steve, what do you think? Oh, yeah. oh, of course. This is one of the better points on match point. Look at this shot here. Boom! Angle, ball game. They are fired up. Yeah, they are. I think, I think Shea really brings it out of Elisa. We don't see that from Mertens a lot. <laughs> I mean, this is a 
fun team. They're the 2021 Wimbledon champs. Hadn't played together since then. Sue said it's a little bit different, but I know what she's doing because I was watching her at home on the TV. I keep track of the girls, so they are in the finals. Who will they play? We do not know yet. Oh, Martin's a win away, John, from uh, fourth Grand Slam title in women's doubles. Yeah, look at uh, a little credit to Ostapenko, right? Disappointing singles campaign, and here she is two matches away from a possible doubles title. This is fun, though. We love our doubles segment. We, we do. Dabrowski Wait, so they won Wimbledon in 2021. Yep. Haven't played since. Correct. Yeah. That needs some extra. <laughs> that needs a deeper dive there. <laughs> We're going to win a major and never play. Well, here they are. One <laughs> win away on the men's side. A day after becoming the oldest number one in men's doubles history. Rohan Bopana with more work to do. Looking to make the final with Matty Ebden taking on Thomas Mahach and Zhang Zhizhen. Uh, a couple of singles players against a couple of doubles players. That's our man in the orange. Yeah, That's Bopana. I'll take your 38-year-old Chase away and raise you five years, Lindsay. <laughs> this is a 43-year-old number one player in the world. He won that, and you think he went out and partied. He did not because he could still do stuff like that. Look at that reflex volley. Look at the score of this match. This is in a third set match tiebreak. He's one of 33 winners against only four unforced errors. We love the match stats. And then there is match point. Nice. Uh, you get to be number one, and you win 7-6 in the third and serve an ace on match point. Things are going your way. That's big time. Look at that. 
Welcome back. Don't miss a new series on T2. Good Trouble with Nick Kyrgios featuring the Aussie star in revealing conversations with top figures in sports, entertainment, and tennis. New episodes drop every Wednesday. Guests include Gordon Ramsay, Mike Tyson, actor Rain Wilson, and the next episode featuring Jamel Hill. You don't want to miss it. Time now for our Bet365 match preview. Daniil Medvedev favored slightly over Alexander Zverev. He has won 11 of their previous 18 matchups. John, what do you make of these odds? Uh, interesting odds, considering Zverev just came off a nice defeat of the number two player in the world, but I think that's about right. I mean, these guys have played a lot of matches, but Medvedev has won 10 of the last 12, 5 of the last 6. He really seems to have Zverev's number, so that, that doesn't that doesn't really surprise me so much. Yeah, they never played in a major, so we'll see if that kind of brings a, a little twist there for Zverev, who admitted after he beat Alcaraz, yeah, he's, he's really owned me a lot in recent times. And what is he going to do different? We saw Medvedev change his return position in his last match, all of a sudden move up when he played Hercotch. There are things that go on with the camps before the matches where they're trying to outmaneuver each other. When you play someone so often, you know what's going to happen. We'll have to see what these two come up with. Yeah, that'll be interesting. What, what stood out to you about what Daniil Medvedev has been able to do on his way to the semifinals? Yeah, I mean, I think, too, we, we forget. This is someone who's been to two finals. So this yeah. is someone who's, who's had success in Melbourne, and he hasn't always been at his best. I was impressed a few things. One is how he recovered from that late start. We all had a lot of yucks. Match got over at 3.40 in the morning. That's not fun for a player, especially midway through the tournament, and he really recovered nicely from that. He's been serving better than I think uh, we might expect. The serving stats have been very impressive for him, and I just think it's kind of it's had a very nice way about him, this tournament. Um, I mean, we find it, we talk about this, this sort of mini rivalry between the two, and on those Netflix series, they sort of pit you know, Zverev as the hero against the nefarious, cheating Medvedev, and I think if you are a tennis fan and know anything, you, you're a little confused by those characterizations, because apart from good tennis, Medvedev's been really fun. He's been a very likable guy this tournament, and really all time. Has he seemed more relaxed to everybody? Totally. Medvedev, bit, yeah. yeah. I mean, I know he's come out of his shell in the last couple of years, but when we first saw him at the U.S. Open, as John said, he was painted as the villain, but he seems to be engaging with the crowd more, laughing a little bit more. A lot of times that does result in better tennis. Players not as stressed and, and is able to get themselves to relax somehow. The serve's going to be huge for both of them. Yeah. Zverev's had the best serving tournament, really, of his career, certainly at a major. That has to continue against Medvedev, who it's just such a more natural shot for Medvedev. He's so relaxed with the serve. He's able to get free points. Zverev has found that nice rhythm. I mean, to serve 85% against Alcaraz. Can he do that again in another big match, this time against Medvedev, with as much pace as he's trying to get? Yeah, I mean, that's those are incredible numbers. If he does that, he, he wins this match, in my opinion. Yeah. What do you yeah. think? But can those you do serve, that? Those serving stats were a joke. Uh, I'll tell you something funny. In, in the last major, you know who beat Alcaraz? It was Medvedev. And then he came out for the next round and was a little bit flat. So maybe beating Carlos Alcaraz, uh, Medvedev hopes, isn't uh, an omen of things to come. But no, if Zarev can serve the way he did against Alcaraz, he's going to win this tournament. The, you know, stats regress to the mean, though. I'm not sure he's winning 85% of his uh, serving points <laughs> yeah. today. It'll be interesting to see where Medvedev returns from as well. That's been a storyline. Yeah. By the way, if he wins the first set, Daniil Medvedev, he's won 46 straight hmm. on hard courts. Wow. Right? So uh, keep an eye on that first set for Daniil oh, Medvedev. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Uh, as we enter yeah. the social net, we mentioned earlier, Novak Djokovic is going to stay number one no matter what, and that will mean... 409 oh, weeks at number one in the world. That's 200 more, Lindsay, than any man in history. <laughs> 200. I can't it's believe years. it. Well, and he's going to just keep adding weeks yeah. as well.
It's a, sometimes we just sort of, you know, these, these stats are impressive and we say them, we don't necessarily take a moment to, I mean, that's, that's eight years at number one with Roger Federer and Rafa Nadal as contemporaries. Um, that's a joke. This is our comedy segment. We had double segment. This is our comedy segment. 409, uh, I mean, you know, it's almost double Nadal. Nadal's a pretty good player, I think. Yeah. <laughs> this uh, is the active list, by the way. Yeah, I was going to so, say, we're missing Fed yes, up there. we're missing Fed. Among Obviously, others. Steffi is, is the one most close to Djokovic. But of active players, and, and including Rafa, this is pretty uh, substantial. Pretty dominant. About Djokovic, 409 and counting, and uh, we'll see if he can get to 25 as well. Two wins away from that. We will talk more about his match against Yannick Sinner, Zverev's match against Daniil Medvedev, as we lead you up to the men's semifinals down under. There's Novak getting in some serves. He's been serving very well throughout this tournament, has improved that stat throughout the past two weeks. We'll talk about that and more. Don't go anywhere. It's TC Live. Rain yesterday for some of the junior matches to be postponed until today. But the skies look nice. So hoping to get everything in as we lead up to championship weekend here at TC Live at the Australian Open. We switch the tunes and get to John Wertheim's stat of the day. DJ, record scratch. There we go. Uh, this is more of just sort of a re-emphasis than a wow factor, but it's been a decade since Lee Na won the Australian Open title that put her in the Tennis Hall of Fame. That also really was a big, was a big moment for tennis in China. This is the world's most populous country. This is the site of much capital investment. And now 10 years later, what do we have? We have another woman from China. 10 years later, she's now in the top 10. And I think this is really a significant moment. I mean, this is the major of the Asian Pacific. China is a market that all sports, really all businesses are trying to crack. And here is women's tennis really well poised to keep this beachhead in China going. So this is not, not a crazy stat of the day, but just a, this, this is a big moment. One of those great clips that we got from behind the scenes from the Australian Open was Lina surprising yeah. Zhang at, at a presser. <laughs> It was amazing. I mean, to see what she's created, honestly. I mean, Jung talked about how she was watching all the finals yeah. and always idolizing Lee Na. And to see it, as John said, 10 years later, be remarkable to see if it's Lee Na giving her the trophy if, if she's able to win that final. What a moment that would be. And it kind of makes sense, John, right, that it's a decade later. You, you need that time to somebody watching it when they're, I don't know, in their teenage formative years get inspired and, and here yeah, she is no da daughters of lena no you're yeah. right that's sort of the gestation uh, period here here's the clip here this looks like something uh, i mean if Lindsay did that it would be one thing but i'm not sure we expect that of lena that was a very fun moment yeah <laughs> and that she said that was the first time she's ever seen her in person that, and that part i still am like no way could that be I, I mean, I don't find her as a, a, a no. liar. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Lena does keep country. a pretty low profile, but she has been coming to majors. Like, yeah. she was yeah. at Wimbledon. I She's don't know. Australia maybe before. that, I don't know if that was, maybe the first time she'd seen her there. Maybe Zhang was just nervous. Yeah, yeah. I don't kinda know. Kind of like Mira and Andy Murray, you know? <laughs> I don't know. Your heroes, it's kind of like, this, that was cool. That yeah. was cool. All right. Uh, heart shot of the day time. Jim's out. So oh, Lindsay, no. You're in. This is me. I can't, I can't follow Jim's footsteps. What we, oh, oh, look at that. Yannick Come on. You like that? Look at that. Lindsay said How about for following it up? Yeah. We got behind the back there. Oh, it's not over. No? Boom. Makes it. But Dominic Kupfer knows. Oh, wait, this point's still going. I got to hit uh, another shot here. 
Boom, angle winner. Doubles, man. That was good. How about the other team with the matching yeah, right. backwards red hats? Everything. <laughs> They're ready. Lindsay said we had Yannick Sinner. We need Yannick winner. And there we got it. Good pun, Linz. <laughs> we miss Jim for that. He'll <laughs> be back tomorrow for the hot shot. All right, here's the men's semifinals. We've been talking about it all day long. Novak Djokovic, Yannick Sinner for the seventh time. Daniil Medvedev, Alexander Zverev for the 19th time. Wow. But first... At a major, Djokovic Center, they, they just played at Wimbledon, and it was all Novak Djokovic. Center uh, hasn't lost a set. Djokovic 20-0 when he gets to this stage. Just pure eye test, Lindsay. Who's looked better so far? Well, Center's looked better, uh, not necessarily with a tougher draw, but how he's managed to get through all the way to a semifinal of a major. Hasn't dropped a set. Mm -hmm. One tie-break set, and that was to Rublev, who was playing some great tennis, was up in that breaker, too. So for Center to get through all the way to the semifinal, hasn't dropped a set. Also has beaten Novak a couple of times at the end of last year. I think you need both of those things to happen to really believe you have a chance against Novak, especially in Australia. So maybe it's going to go his way. Anytime, John, we talk about Novak Djokovic, this stage at a major, actually at the start of a major. We, we bring up the graphic that shows just one away from getting to 25. Yeah, we haven't even talked about that, right? I mean, this, yeah. this guy is six sets away from becoming the all-time major winner, male or female, that he would do it in Australia, home to Margaret Court, the woman he would surpass is just another wriggle. We haven't even been talking about that. It's um, wild. It's wild. I mean, these, these again, we had our comedy section. I mean, you know, I, I don't know what this generation does. You know, so-and-so wasn't that good. They didn't even hit double-digit majors. Uh, those are very distorted numbers and uh, six very worthy champions we just looked at. Speaking of double digits, Novak has a chance to get to 10 or more aces in six straight matches wow. for the first time in his career. Yeah. Why do you think it's happened here? Well, a little very not talked about often with Novak at all is how he keeps trying to improve, even with his age. And for a while, obviously, he needed his fitness to improve. And But the serve. I mean, the serve, he works with Goran. We could hear Goran, someone translated it, yelling at him to open up his hips the other day yeah. in his match. I mean, they're working on other parts of his game. They don't talk a lot about it. And there's not – he's very quiet about his, his game plans and his statistics and everything that he goes over. They're still very much trying to mold Novak's game to get better and better to keep up with this next generation. That's that's what the great ones do, right? They go back in the go down to the basement and start tinkering, even if they've had a lot of success. I just I'd keep an eye on the head to head. I mean, it's it's four two, but you said this, Lindsay. Even the fact that two of those wins for Sinner came recently in this compressed amount of time is significant. And I think with the other match as well, you know. Medvedev's won five of their last six matches, so that bears keeping in mind. I think momentum sometimes we overlook on these head-to-heads. By the way, Djokovic had match points in, in that yeah. last one. Three consecutive yeah. ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, That's something that could be in his mind, although his mind is stronger than yeah. most on the planet. So uh, tomorrow, Prakash Amitraj joining the right. show. Oh, wow. Looking forward to having Prakash and Martina, so we're going four wide on the couch. TC Live comes your way 5 p.m. Eastern. Do not miss Brett Haber and Paul Anacone, 8 a.m., for Tennis Channel's Encore coverage. That's a cutie right there for the entire team. Thanks for watching TC Live. Enjoy the action today. Okay.